Welcome back to uh, I Just Don't Know podcast, uh, where we're looking at ghosts. And we're going to kick off in this second part, uh, where we're going to look at ghost stories and to ask the question, are ghost ghosts and ghost stories scary? How scary are they? And why do we fear them? Or why do some people fear them more than others? Obviously, you have some people who are obsessed with sort of feeling that idea of fear, the excitement. But why ghost stories in particular? Do they really tap into that sort of scary nature or that obsessive nature that we that we have with them, like we touched on in part one? But I'm going to go through a few stories here that uh, will vary in in what they what they look like. Um, but I wanted to share that some and uh, see how what conclusion we can come to um, based on this idea. So yeah, are ghosts scary? Let's find out. So the first few ghost stories we're going to look at uh, are what actually inspired this episode. It's uh, was these stories are were told to me when I w- went to visit Salisbury and and over um, south sort of southwest of London. And the first story is based at uh, was told to me by the former landlady of a pub, and and she used to run the pub called the Haunch in Venison. And the first one is that. Uh, in this sort of very old-fashioned sort of stagecoach inn or, or pub that's about four or five hundred years old at least. Obviously, it's been rebuilt a few times, um, but it's got this great, beautiful sort of Tudor Stuart sort of uh, outside interior sort of architecture. Uh, imagine sort of a sort of Shakespeare-esque Globe Theatre sort of look with thatch roofing roof, um, sort of right, sort of pretty pretty central in Salisbury. Um, but the first story that comes from it is that hundreds of years ago, um, this inn was not just a place to drink and share information and have fun and for the community to gather, but it was also had more sort of darker purposes um, in sort of the upstairs room, upstairs rooms. So it was more of a, a brothel where ladies stayed and, and, and travellers would would was visit along the way and uh, whether along the way to London or down into sort of Cornwall but supposedly there was a tunnel uh, attached to a secret bar in sort of the the cellar of of the haunch of venison this stagecoach in uh, and there was a tunnel that took you to and from the church or abbey or monastery sorry uh, next door and in this monastery the monks were obviously very uh, disciplined into following the, the the teachings and the rules of of, a, of being a monk or a clergyman. But this tunnel allowed these clergymen to access the the haunch of venison and and what it had to offer, sort of secretly, without having to go onto the street um, and do it, sort of, and and sort of break their their vows of celibacy as you could say, uh, is a very sort of deceptive part of, of this story. Um, but one day the tunnel collapsed and uh, while a single monk, an unnamed clergyman, was making his way back from the haunch of Edison, intending to confess his, confess his sins uh, once back on sacred ground and in, in the chapel at, uh, in the monastery, 
this this tunnel collapsed, and it is said that this unnamed clergyman haunts the pub and cellar in particular, the secret bar that is still open now, sort of at the at the back of the at the back of the pub, um, and is uh, and never made it back to the chapel and catacombs of the monastery. Therefore, is stuck forever as a ghost in in punishment for his sins that he failed to confess. So again, it's uh, taps taps in taps in with our with religion and uh, and um, is uh, is a good spooky story, but also with sort of sin and and uh, punishment. The second story uh, that is linked to the haunch of venison. So there's more. There's a number of different stories linked link to this pub. Is that there's believed to be an unnamed man who won a, a large amount of money playing cards in the 1820s. And locals became suspicious that he was cheating. So one day, uh, while he was playing cards, the local butcher walked into the into the, the pub and chopped off this man's hand in retribution. The severed hand then was thrown into the fireplace, but years later it was rediscovered. And the so what they did, this smoke mummified hand was then placed on display in the pub as a sort of a tourist attraction and remained, was remain, remained on show until it was actually stolen in 2010. But actually now it's been replaced with a replica. So that makes me suggest that it's a great little story from 180, 190 years ago, um, 200 years ago, sorry. And it was a great idea to sell the pub, make it a bit of a tourist attraction for the locals, the local villages, the local towns to come visit and see this mummified hand that should have been burnt to a crisp, but actually was a ghostly hand that had just reappeared. Um, Why it was stolen in 2010? God knows, probably a drunken dare or something like that. But they had no, they couldn't return it without getting into trouble. Uh, So uh, a slightly more comical story, ghost story related related to this pub. And there was there was a third one that was uh, regarding a bit sort of a bit more depressing and sad, which is a a woman who unfortunately lost her child in in the in the inn, um, haunts the the inn and walks around. As a as a woman looking for her lost child, um, as uh, unfortunately that that passed away a number of hundreds of years ago, years ago, and sometimes the woman can be seen walking walking along or drifting around the outside of the pub, and that's what this uh, former landlady claims she might she she saw. Um, so some classic stories and very similar to perhaps others that you you might know of or other pubs and villages around the UK. But uh, some are quite spooky if they were told in a very sort of scary context. But the next area I wanted to look at was my sort of hometown and my home county of Bedfordshire. And I was curious to find what sort of ghost stories would be present here. And, and actually, I found out that Bedfordshire has actually got a lot of ghost stories. It's actually one of the most uh, popular places for some for some ghost stories. But they are again pretty really sort of depressing in some sense if if said in the right, in the wrong context but if said around a fire when it's dark and i know sort of very dark outside then maybe they'll get you they'll get be sort of the uh, hairs on the back of your neck will stand up and you get a little bit scared so the first one is somewhere i used to go all the time and this is Cineworld, world bedford uh, the parking 
there the parking lot there is uh, sort of parking lot <laughs> the car park there is massive it's it's got it's got a huge capacity and it goes all the way out sort of along the side the the sort of the river or stream um and it's it's quite a large area and it gets very dark at night and we used to go there all the time um sort of to a good place to park or meet up and uh, right right close to a mcdonald's where you could grab some food and sit there and and uh, but there was a cine world there there was pizza express i remember the bowling used to be there all sorts but uh so this sort of out slightly out of town sort of uh um sort of entertainment park as you might call it so it actually stands on a ground that was once known as newnham priory and it's not that far off from um the priory marina and the river so it's there's definitely a religious history to this area and this monastery was a was a place of worship built in the 12th century uh, by the locals there the the probably in, by the by the normans and um trying to sort of build up bedford as it's already had a castle further up the river as a, as a very popular market town in the medieval time, times so this uh this monastery this newnham priory and there was it was invest, investigated this whole area was investigated by a local ghost hunter and they definitely found a lot of strange happenings and ghostly figures but it was actually mostly where Cineworld was and that's is apparently exactly where the main building of the monastery was built and so they explored Cineworld and from my understanding it's got around sort of seven or eight screen rooms but they found a lot of sort of possible sightings of ghostly figures and chilling laughs from screen four room in particular. And apparently the doors opened violently on their own, claim, uh, apparently some, some staff members claimed. And if you stand in screen four, as the staff sometimes have to walk around and make sure people get seated, there are strange cold spots. And when they're cleaning up, they will walk to some part of the room and the the temperature would drop to a level that would make them their goosebumps rise on uh, on their arms and they'd have to go run outside as they were a bit spooked in this sort of large dark cinema room there's also in this room a sighting of a hooded monk or a hooded figure that sits on the front row of the of this uh, of of all the seating in this in screen 4 room and apparently in particular seats eight nine and ten are most haunted as uh and in particular seat eight that never stays upright and will always move down when no one's looking and will then rise as someone will go over and, and put it back up but as soon as they go head back to the the back of the screen room it would ro- it would lower down again spooky suspicious but then who is this hooded monk who is this hooded figure and apparently, unfortunately, it's could be a boy who, when the monastery was still standing, hanged himself nearby as he was disgraced or had fallen out of favour in, in, in Bedford and the local town and village. And this boy haunts the grounds of, of the of Noonan Priory. And unfortunately Cineworld and in particular Scream Four is built on this very spot so not going to go to that cinema anytime soon 
So the second story that is in Bedfordshire, down the road, uh, in you might know it, is Chicksands Military Base. It's got a lot of history. Um, it's uh, might have changed now, but it, in the past it was sort of the headquarters or the centre for the intelligence corps. Uh, and but supposedly, and more, more recently, sorry, um, in the war, in the war, the Americans moved over and they sort of had an airfield there, and, and a lot of personnel were, were were housed and based there. But we go back fur- go back further, and supposedly in the 11th century, even further back, sort of the uh, yeah the normal conquest times, there was a uh, Gilbertine order and um, place of worship built there right on top of the hill. If you've been there, it's on sort of a bit of a crest, um, the the whole this whole sort of army base. And that was established sort of a thousand years ago. It's a very ancient order of uh, of religious um, monks. And a ghost hunter again explored this area and they spotted a hooded monk on three occasions floating through the priory and even through a wall. So floating through this sort of the, the army base as they as they were there as they finally got access to to the base uh, about 10, 10 years ago and uh, it supposedly was a disgraced nun um, named Rosetta who became pregnant while at while part of the Gilbertine order and was subsequently shamed tortured and killed for the crime as well as the man who was known as her lover so both were brutally killed by by this high very religious Gilbertine order and rumor has it that on the 17th night of every month the ghost haunts the priory in search for her lover floating around the army base through walls through people through anything to try and find her lost lover so again a bit slightly strange story about love lost and shame and torture and disgrace that's been changed over many years but again relate related to religion but i like to quite like that story um but now we're going to move to london um to a few slightly different stories slightly weirder stories and this is where i, I like how ghost stories can appear in many different ways whether it's uh, not just to scare you and create fear but to give an area some sort of colour, some culture and some history. So the first one is at Pond Square Gardens where a guy called Francis Bacon, um, I'm not sure if it was the exact, Fra- the same Francis Bacon, the famous one, had an idea of freezing meat and how to freeze it and make it so they can store it for longer. And he found a chicken in Pond Square Gardens one day and he grabbed it and killed it and plucked it and went to freeze it uh, in this in in this new sort of new technique that he was going to do. But that winter he later died, froze to death, um, and you would think that Mr. Francis Bacon would unfortunately haunt this Pond Square Gardens, but it's not. The chicken does, and so, and it's uh, reported that people sometimes hear the sounds of a chicken if you stand in Pond Square Gardens, even during the day, but it, and during the night, they swear they hear this as they call it, a poultry geist, not my joke, uh, theirs, uh, that haunts them. And unfortunately, this uh, chicken will uh, forever exist as a ghost in, in Pond Square Gardens. The next one is Cambridge Gardens in, near Ladbroke Grove. 
as a ghost that uh, is the number seven bus. It's a spectral bus that apparently in the 1930s caused a, another bus, an actual bus, to swerve and lose control and, and, and crash. Um, and it, this spectral bus, the number seven bus, which does stop at, at uh, Ludbrook Grove, but this this ghostly vehicle apparently always appears at 1.15am in the morning. And I'm pretty sure people will go there as ghost tours, night nightly ghost tours will go there um, even now to hopefully see this spectral bus drive past the number seven at 1.15am every morning. And then the next one is in West Brompton in West London where, again, it's uh, a bit of a silly ghost story, but I quite like it, is in Brompton Cemetery, and there is a, apparently a sinister squirrel that haunts the cemetery, but it's a red, red squirrel, and there's only grey squirrels in, in, south, in the south of England, pretty much, or definitely in London. So this red squirrel just appears and sometimes can be spotted in this, in this cemetery. Um, why that is, no one knows, um, but it gives extra colour to this just fairly plain cemetery in, in West London. And last one is uh, Queen's Anne Gate. And apparently there was Queen Anne, who is, uh, was unfortunately had a very tough time and, and, and difficult time as, as Queen, especially trying to create an heir. And she had, she had 19 children, if you didn't know. And unfortunately, none of them actually reached adulthood. And this statue at Queen Anne's Gate of Queen Anne Apparently, on the 1st of August every year, the statue comes to life and wanders up and down the street in search of her children. So the local residents in this lovely area of of, uh, of London on the 1st of August always are a bit spooked and concerned about Queen Anne wandering up and down this, this street. So all very, all very sort of curious. But it, again, adds that sense of... This street is not just any old street. We have a ghost. And it's the Queen. But then the last one I wanted to finish on, which summarises ghost stories perfectly, and I wanted to finish on this one because it's... it's You might have seen it. It's it's quite popular because it comes from Dame Helen Mirren, uh, the very famous actress. And in 2018, she's talking, and she does actually talks about this, uh, in a few interviews and does this on TV as well. And so it's all about her going um, for her um, her sort of honeymoon um, for her wedding. So she rents a castle, an old Stuart castle in Scotland uh, for her wedding. And she they arrive and it's this epic old castle and she meets the manager who sort of outlines everything for that plan for the for the wedding and and what's going to happen but he does warn them that it's haunted and the room they are in the sort of the main suite is haunted the most and it's a topper turret as part of the castle and it's incredible she says it's it's beautiful it's so very romantic but it is a little bit spooky but it's uh, it's new year's eve and it's not only just their, for their wedding but it's also the her husband's birthday and there's uh, so they go out and have a few drinks and they stay up late and it gets late to a sort of 
1, 2 a.m. And they go to bed and they they, they fall asleep. But she suddenly wakes up at around sort of 2.30 a.m. Just bolt upright. And she's she feels cold. Really, really cold. And she looks around this this room and it's pitch black. She can't see anything. She's looking for any sort of shadow or, or something that's to give her sort of an idea of where she is. You know when you've stayed somewhere and you don't know you don't know where you are for a second. That's what she feels. She's not really sure what's going on. And then just as she's coming to terms with where she is, she sees a flash of light across her vision. And the hair on her arms just stand up. And then again, she's trying to figure out what was that flash? Where did it come from? Did she even see it? And then five minutes later, another flash across her vision. And then she gets really scared. She gets a bit freaked out about what is this? What is this thing in front of me? I can't, I don't know where the door is. I don't know if the door's open. Who is, is someone inside? Is someone, is it safe? And so she tries to, she gets up, heart pounding, trying to make her way to the door, go, go to the toilet, turn a light on, something, just anything. And so she eventually sort of stumbles across the room, questioning, is that, was that real? Was that light real? What is this sort of spectre or something in front of her? And she actually sort of stumbles across to um, to the to the window, the closest window. And uh, on the these windows in this room is uh, their shutters, sort of uh, old fashioned shutters on the inside. Uh, and she looks in looks at the shutters and you see a slight sort of light or colour coming from outside through the window and so she can start to make sense of a of a little bit what's in front of her she can see her hand in front of her face and she notes she notices how in these shutters in sort of the center of them is sort of a heart shape because it is at the end of the day sort of the suite for newlyweds and as she looks through this sort of heart-shaped cutout of of the shutter she looks down and then she sees the flash, flashing light again, and it's uh, coming from the people leaving the party. It's the it's the headlights. Every time they turn the corner, it flashes through the through this heart shaped hole in in the shutter. And she goes, "Oh, for goodness' sake!" So of course, it's not. It's there wasn't any ghost or spectre. It's just people driving outside. It's something else. It's something completely logical and can explain what it is and i think in my view um that is what most ghost stories are they could be explained by something that is fairly logical but it's not always as obvious as looking out the window and realizing it's just a, a car driving away down the down, down the driveway but again i also appreciate now that ghost stories are more than just there to try and scare you they are part of something they give it character they give it uh they give it sort of meaning and uh as well as some sort of history to something that seems quite ordinary whether it's a street whether it's a a small sort of garden uh, whether it's a cemetery or whether it's now it's an entertainment park with cinemas and restaurants on ghost stories are something that communities can hold on to they can create themselves and this is where it's different from religion as i touched on in the first part religion has a strict sort of way of following in what you have to believe and you're being told what to you follow whereas ghost stories 
it's up to you. It's up to you and your local community or those who live in your house or those what you experience and it's your imagination and you're in control of what you believe. So that's why there is a rise in popularity of ghost stories. That's why more people believe in ghosts now than believe in religion. And I get it and I completely understand and I love a story. I love it when it's well said. I hope I haven't I hope I've uh, justified some of the stories that I've gone through in this part. Um, but I, I have enjoyed it because, as as I said, I love a story. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you don't dream of ghosts or see any ghosts tonight. And uh, But if you do, write it down and you never know. You might find out that your house is uh, built on an old monastery. And then, um, yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, for listening. and uh, And I look forward to recording another episode soon. Bye, everybody.